Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, a podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories for today's military spouses so they can continue to make confident and informed decisions for themselves and their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and your host for Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Holding Down the Ford Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jen Amos, and I'm really excited because I now have a co-host with me, Jenny Lynn. Jenny Lynn Stroop is an active duty military spouse of 11 years, and she also is a blogger and a big advocate for mental health. So Jenny Lynn, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Yes. Yeah. It's, I think it's been great so far. Did you like that last interview we did? <laughs> I did. I did. I love talking to people. Community is my jam. So being able to do it virtually is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I feel like since the pandemic, it's been easier for me to build community because I just don't have to go through the hassle of, (laughs) you know, I mean, I still dress up, obviously I'll put on makeup and stuff for video, but in terms of just the commute, and I think, you know, this Jenny Lynn, like living in Virginia, at least in Virginia beach, it's like a 20, 30 minute drive to everything, like in my life, at least for me. (laughs) And so It's just that hassle. And right now we were out earlier, my husband and I, and it was like 95 degrees outside. And I've never just left the AC on in the car, like if we're parked somewhere, but I do like, that's just the norm out here in the East coast for me now. So that's just kind of become my reality in the last two years. Yeah. I don't, I don't miss the humidity. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Well, we are really excited because we have another incredible guest for our show today. I'm really excited because we were actually supposed to meet at a conference at PodFest in March, 2020, and we actually just missed each other. He had a chance to talk to my husband though. And so I want to bring on Enrique Acosta Gonzalez, who is a Navy vet of 26 years. Today, he helps first time and struggling leaders go from success and suck as in like that sucks. So success to success through coaching, mentorship, analysis, and training. Enrique, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we're really excited. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity to have been on your show. I know that that was probably months coming because we were supposed to meet in March and then we just missed each other at PodFest. And then luckily our friend Lori connected us through LinkedIn, but that was months later, you know? So it's just, how many months is that already? March, April, May, June, July, that was four months in the making. So I'm just really happy we had an opportunity to connect. And I thank you again for being on your show and appreciate you coming here to join me on my show at Holding Down the Fort. Thank you. Yeah, it was so much fun. And it's funny how that all worked out, but you know, at the right time, Yeah, absolutely. One thing I also wanted to add is that on your show, and everyone can visit Enrique's LinkedIn page, which we'll talk about later and provide in the show notes. On your show, I had shared about my story as a Gold Star daughter. And fun fact, the last ship that my dad was on was the same ship you were on just a couple years before. So he had last served on the USS Kitty Hawk in 1998. That's the last time he had served. And you were there just about what a handful of years before that? Yeah, for about four years before then. Yeah, when you mentioned it, my eyes just <laughs> ended up getting wide open because I was just like, no way. But yeah, uh, yeah about, about four years prior. Oh, that's amazing. There's a part of me that thinks like, wow, I wonder if my dad would be in your shoes today if he was around because you guys like 
just missed each other <laughs> in a way. And it would be interesting to have seen what it would be like if he was a veteran today and, and how that would look like for him. And in a way, I find you quite endearing because it's like, oh, this is like a father who retired from you know, the military and he's doing some really good work today for our community. So I feel that connection with you. <laughs> and oh, I didn't really wonderful. disclose that before. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. disclose that before we started. I was like, I'm just going to tell it yeah, live yeah. and no, get that no, out that's there. Good. No, thank <laughs> you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm always no, really surprised and thrilled at how small the Navy actually is. That's probably my favorite part of being a military family is just everywhere you go, it seems like there's that at least six, probably less than six degrees of separation. Yeah, that is absolutely true. In fact, it's so crazy because I just got reconnected. This is like totally off topic too, but I just got reconnected with a childhood friend from Japan from like from 1998, like in the 90s, like she just connected with me on Facebook and we've been messaging each other back and forth. She's also a gold star daughter. She had lost her dad while he was on active duty as well. And it's just so crazy to think that, I mean, we did get reunited. So from Japan, like a couple years later, we got reunited back in San Diego, but then, you know, and then life happened and then we got disconnected and then, you know, now we're connected again and she's in Kentucky. I was like, oh, you're like a state away from me. Like we could <laughs> totally, you know, meet up. I mean, you know, once things start to lighten up, but it's just, uh, it's interesting because we all know that really only what 1% of Americans serve. And to less think than. that, uh, yeah, thank you, Jenny Lynn. Yeah. And so less than 1% of military serve. And yet it really is such a tight knit community and we're scattered everywhere. And yet the world seems so small <laughs> at the same time. So with that said, Enrique, for people that are getting to know you for the first time, I thought you would just give a little snapshot of your life today, particularly what keeps you busy and excited about life nowadays? Yeah, no, thank you. Well, I mean, life itself, <laughs> life itself <laughs> is, is exciting. Uh, I'm one that loves life. And so I start my day, you know, just full of optimism and hope and love. And so that's how I treat my day. But yeah, pretty busy. Even in the midst of this crisis, mentorship and coaching and giving advice does never end, right? So even if it were just two people, even if it was just you on earth, you had to give yourself advice. That's the one next step to take. So that world never ends and those work never end. What has happened with the pandemic and the whole thing going on in the world is that you get to be selective, right? So not everybody's reaching out as I thought because everybody's got their own cares, right? So, so on top of being mandated to seclude yourself, there are those that have just secluded. Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> they have just secluded just for the sake of the safety of the family. Mm. And so that kind of puts a wedge there. But what's great is that we have platforms like LinkedIn, where we ended up connecting, even having the opportunity to do it live, we ended up connecting there. And many other platforms just afford you the opportunity to reach out or get reached out. And this week alone, I've had people reaching out from LinkedIn, you know, either going to my website or through LinkedIn and have booked, you know, discovery calls or calls to get mentorship, calls to get coaching. So it still works and you're still busy. It's just, uh, it's kind of like more selective, right? So, mm -hmm. but yeah, always staying busy. And when I don't have, you know, the audience of outside of my home, I have plenty of people in my house to do that with, right? <laughs> Mentorship right. and coaching and guidance and all that. So 
I get plenty of practice when I'm not active, right? Getting a, getting a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I really just admire your passion in servant leadership and mentorship. And I'm curious, where does that come from for you? Yeah, to be honest, it came because I didn't get it right off. Mm. Right as soon as I came in the military, I faced a hard thing. You know, when they talk about prejudiceness and things of that nature, it's not just one race. It's not just one color. It's not just one nationality. Prejudice doesn't care. <laughs> it really doesn't care mm-hmm. who it falls on as long as it falls on someone. Unfortunately mm. for me, my first three years, I felt like I was being treated with prejudice. It was because of my accent. Mm. Now, I may still have a New York accent, right? You could probably say, oh, that guy's from New York somewhere up, up north. And I don't think I ever lost that. But for some reason, my accent was a problem my first three years. And so because I did not have what I saw others get, which was, you know, attention and, you know, getting the accolades and getting the promotions. I determined my first three years that no one would be the dictator of how far I went. Mm. And so even as a young man, you know, so I'm happy I chose that route because the other alternative is, you know, you hate everybody. Right. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> right. so, so at least I, I chose the right way. And so that was something that I was grateful for. Mm-hmm. But what I did was I started just educating myself. I, hey, there used to be a big red book and everybody knew what that big red book was. And it was called the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a red cover and everybody knew that that book was the dictionary. And so I dove into that thing. And mm-hmm. so what I ended up doing was uh, just ed- educating myself, becoming more prolific in my pronunciation and the way I was making my thoughts revealed to people, mm-hmm. where it actually turned things around because you just could not negate the effort that was put into it. And so when you start speaking eloquently and educated <laughs> with an educated level above your peers, you just can't hide it, right? Mm. So that's what I did. And I created my own mentorship, you know. Now, I will not tell you that within those three years, there were not some people in leadership that did not shine a light on my path, right? Mm -hmm. There were. There were some people, obviously, that helped me along the way, whether it was because they felt pity or, (laughs) or or they just genuinely did not like the circumstances that they saw me going through. Or they just, you know, kind of help everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Those people did exist. And so I'm thankful to all of those. But in my immediate group, I didn't get that. So that's how all that started. And then I just also decided that I would not let anyone else suffer that. And so throughout my whole career, I just uh, intentionally and deliberately made sure that everybody that I came across, number one, I touched their heart. I left them with a good taste in their mouth and they were able to go from there and replicate that feeling for others. So those are my three goals as I was growing up in the military. And I saw a lot of fruit from it. You know, I still get folks that write me after, I'm talking about years of having served with them and to thank me for whatever they felt that I left them with that made their life better. And so 
that is the true reward. You know, there's no m- amount of money that can top that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and so it's humbling and it's great to still hear. So, you know, so many years down the road, but you know, that's how I uh, ended up in mentorship and, and doing everything I do. Yeah. It sounds to me that your strategy early on was to kill him with kindness, you know, and you do <laughs> exactly. that, you did that through becoming more eloquent, you know, and becoming more articulate right. and really giving off that vibe that I felt from you early on of just compassion and empathy and I feel that you really intentionally, genuinely care about people and you want to help them. And it really shows in what you're doing and even just hearing you talk. So thank you for really sharing that, what I would consider like a very humbling story of just, you know, dealing. I mean, I know that we've all dealt with prejudice. It doesn't matter what walk, you know, walks of life, color, like you mentioned, it it really doesn't matter. Like, you know, you could look like everyone in your group, but then if you sound different, you know, then Mm -hmm. it's like you get treated differently, you know? And so I appreciate you sharing that. Jenny Lynn, I wanted to check with you, see if you had any thoughts you wanted to add. I was going to say my immediate reaction was, you sound a lot like Alexander Hamilton, wondering if you watched the musical. You got, got a lot of that, you know, bring yourself up by the bootstraps, be as eloquent as possible to bring all the haters around. I really like that. You know, what I really took away from, from listening to your story is I'm always pleasantly surprised at how passionate people are about the burden they've carried and making it better for others. Mm. Jen mentioned in my intro that like I'm a big mental health advocate and actually work professionally in the mental health realm. And it was really born from the same place, like own personal experience. And so it was great to hear that like, it wasn't just a problem you stayed stuck on. It really kind of provided you the force for what you do and do for good and for the good of others. So thank you for sharing that with us. No, thank you. And thank you for what you do. I mean, you know, even it's funny because although it it was a fuel, I still carry that. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I think about my friend that I just got reunited with and we, so I mentioned we were really close friends in Japan. And then when we got reunited in San Diego, she actually like turned out to be a bully to me. It's, it's part of why she's, I don't think she's going to hear this episode. And if she does, it'll be great. We'll have a great conversation about it. (laughs) But anyway, like she was a bully to me and, and that's how we had a fallout because I thought like, okay, like it's, I don't know what happened. I don't know what's changed. And then now she's messaging me and she's acting like as if we were like BFFs all over again. So I actually want to have a video chat with her and just ask her about it. But just like what you said, it's like, that stuck with me for a long time. It's like the handful of people that just really shape there was actually a really good quote I heard I said I said it's the short-term relationships that cause the long-term effects or it, they impact you for the long term and I think it's so true there's just something about it and so but it really it obviously it really defined you and it molded you or you had chosen to turn that into something good you know hence why we're having this conversation today yeah I'm glad that I chose uh, the right way <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think we all know how we can easily go the other way. I was just thinking, since I'm thinking about like my friend, there was another friend that I was really close to back in Japan. And when we got reunited in San Diego, she was a bully too. I don't know why all these military child ends up being bullies, but she got into, I have to think about this now, but she got into like so much trouble. Like she actively picked fights. And I found out years later, she ended up going to jail. 
And it's just like, whoa, like you could easily go in that direction. If you, I mean, I, I even think for myself, like the stuff that I went through growing up, I could have easily gone down that path. And so it's just, I think you are just a prime example. And I think we all are really on this conversation today. We're all a prime example of turning that pain into something good, you know, to use it as a form of service for people who may be going through the same type of pain. Yeah, most um, Awesome. Well, Enrique, I'm really excited to dive into our topic today. So as I had introduced you on the show, you served for 26 years. And I'm curious, how long has it been since you've transitioned into the civilian world? Yeah, I retired December 2015. So I've been mm -hmm. here in Orlando since then. And so, you know, a handful of years, really, Yeah. Uh, you know, come December. And it's funny, I'm, I'm still transitioning. It, it, it didn't stop. You know, it's funny because, you know, we all transition in the military. Some people, so for, for those that don't understand that, every three years you transition. Right. And mentally every year and a half. Because if you're a spouse, you're thinking about that around, you know, a halfway point. All right, where are we going to go? Okay. Because, you know, we can start looking at stuff a year into the pocket when you're talking about orders, right? So mm -hmm. you really got two years to settle down. And come on, how many people can actually settle down in two years? It yeah. takes a while to establish a home, to get things ready, to have people, you know, at least your first year is pretty rough. You know, kids in school, you trying to find a job, your spouse trying to find a job. And like in my house, thankfully, my wife is the teacher to our children. She, we homeschool and we have multiple kids. <laughs> so she's got her work cut out for her. And so, you know, it's maybe one less thing, but it's still tough. It's still mm -hmm. tough. When you talk about transitioning, we're always doing it. It's just not the same flavor of, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been put on a bus and dropped off and said, good luck. But that's how you feel when, <laughs> when, you, when you retire or when you separate truly is you know it really is i mean it's like you got walked out the gate and and the government told you thank you for your service mm -hmm. and there you go and then and you're on your own so transition and i feel i still feel it daily you know mm -hmm. even so uh, yeah so it's it, it never ends <laughs> Yeah, we have a colleague we work with. He's about 18 years in right now. And he said the same thing. He's like, we're always going through transition. That's the reality of the military life. And even now, like, fortunately for him, he's like actively thinking about when he transitions to civilian life, you know, not mm -hmm. transition to his next duty station, right, right. but to like civilian life. And so that's really interesting. And it makes me think about my experiences as a military child that have really translated to my adult life where I feel like I can't settle anywhere for a long time either. Like, you know, my husband and I just got like, we've lived in our place in Virginia Beach for about a year and a half now. And I think it's only now when I sort of finally feel settled in and I could sort of have a social life. But, you know, given the pandemic, I can't really do much other than, you know, all these virtual meetings. But it is interesting. I think that's a good mentality to have in mind is that you're always transitioning. Jenny Lynn, I saw you were nodding a lot. I figured you wanted to add something. <laughs> Oh, man. So we, what we didn't establish at the beginning is I now live on the West Coast. I'm in San Diego. I've lived actually where both of you have lived, not because of the military and, but no, that transition, we came out here on 10 month orders. It was a big debate whether or not I was going to even finish unpacking everything mm -hmm. because how long were, you know, how long is 10 months is not that long. Turns out we've been here four years looking at five 
never expected that. And the, even the transition and mentality in that, like I was ready to go. I mean, I've been ready to go and ready to go. And we keep staying, keep staying. And we're at that, you know, one year into a set of orders looking at our next set. And it's this big, like, well, do we continue to work on this house or are we starting to look somewhere else? And that, that constant transition, a mom too, and have two elementary school age boys and it you know watching the transition in them like Jen I think about your story of like the bullies I mean Mm -hmm. it really takes a lot for military parents and the community around to help kids with those transitions I mean I've seen it in my own boys and it would be very easy for them to be that because each transition has affected them so deeply in different ways you know I'm from the east coast I'm from Virginia Beach and so Mm -hmm. My whole family's there. We're on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, and that transition was probably harder for my boys than any of the other ones we've had. But to openly acknowledge that we're always in transition and feel that tension of like, shouldn't I be used to this? Like, this is Mm. what we do. Like, so to be five years retired and going, oh my gosh, I'm I'm still transitioning, I think is a wonderful realization. And also some days probably like, oh man, (laughs) why? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like you get a peer into the future by hearing about Enrique in his story as well. Thank you for sharing that, Jenny Lynn. It's always great to get like a a perspective of of what life is like today, you know, for active duty military families. So I I really appreciate uh, you adding that perspective. So for Enrique, so it's been five years. And as you mentioned, you're still transitioning. We also talked about this on your other show, but I learned that you are a father of six. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're all, um, I believe, under under 30. Is that correct? Uh, right, right. Yeah, so they're all adults now. And it sounds like when you had transitioned out, they're probably, on average, in their young 20s. So they essentially grew up in the military life. Does that sound about right? Yes. They uh, grew up with the turmoil of transition. <laughs> and, you know, some of them longer than others, obviously. But, yeah, so we have a 29, 28, 27, 24. Wow. And then the two boys, which is the, you know, uh, 12 going on 13, maybe 35. Uh, <laughs> wow. Because they always do, right? And my eight-year-old, but um, they all have different phases in the service time. Yeah. Uh, one was, you know, at the tail end, you know, and, and moved out real quick, you know, and, and so they all have their different impacts, uh, you know, as we were talking and Jenny Lynn was talking about the different thing, uh, transitions that each person has. It's funny because transition as a whole is just one package, but then it is some sub packages, which are the individuals, right? The spouse is not thinking what the service member is thinking. Service member, and look, I'll tell you what I thought. I'm not going to speak for all service members. It's like, okay, I got orders to this command. Let me see who the CEO, XO, Math Chief is. Well, (laughs) I was one of the top three, but you know, who the CEO is, who the XO is, what the complement of the command? I'm thinking command. I'm not even thinking house. I'm not thinking schools. I'm not thinking any of that. Why? Because somebody else is thinking. Mm. And <laughs> yeah. funny because, you know, I should be thinking that, but, you know, there's kind of like that CEO mindset, right? There's the things you think about, you know, and then there's the things your wife think about. And then, but she expects you to think about the same thing. So, <laughs> so you got to know which one, you know, where to play that whole thing at. But there's one role that the service member plays and all uh, they're worried about is showing up on the day and mm-hmm. the hour they said you're supposed to show up <laughs> so that you don't be UA 
And then, you know, getting familiar with the roles at the command and, and all of that. Everything else seems secondary. So all that pressure falls squarely on the shoulder of the spouse. Mm. And it's unfortunate, right? Because it's just, that's the way the thing is, is made up. It's kind of like a schematic and that's how, how it goes. It doesn't have to go that way though. I, I'll tell you that. And then the children have their own weight to carry because, right. man, I just met Joey. Joey, my best <laughs> friend for the last two years. Now right. I got to go and meet some other Joey that I don't know. And, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, and all true. those things really do chip away. They chip mm-hmm. away at the family. And so if you're not proactive, if you're not transparent, if you're not communicative and set the family up for success, it could be very detrimental, right? So, you know, like I said, we have a benefit that we, well, my wife is the homeschool teacher here and she takes care of their education. But even that is a struggle, right? Because where do you divide teacher and mom? Mm. <laughs> so it's it's all a struggle either way. And that's why I say we all individually transition somewhere along the day to different things. But yeah, so they got the full experience. My boys kind of had a back end, a bookend version of the military life, but they all got their share. Well, I think that's where your your point to mentorship really comes in Mm because it's the same on the spouse side too, like finding that mentorship within the spouse community of people that have done this way longer than I have has been the saving grace for me in this military life as far as all the transitioning because there's always somebody I can call and go, oh my gosh, we got orders here, or they pulled our orders and now we're going somewhere, or, you know, I mean, we've been fortunate in that when we moved to San Diego, there were people my husband had served with five years before, and so there was already a little bit of built-in community to show you the lay of the land and, you know, assist with those transitions. My husband jokingly calls me ComNav Wife Pack because I handle all the Mm -hmm. things, like he does all that that you're talking about, like who's the CO, who's the XO thing, and I got the house with the kids and the, the school and where the grocery store is on the GPS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm curious, Enrique, so I just really appreciate you and your self-awareness of your family, you know, because I, I think about how my family operated while we were on active duty, and there was really no communication of what's happening. It was like, okay, we're just going to move now. Like, we're just, we're just moving. Like, they don't even say, like, they just say it like last minute. Okay, we're moving, you know? And I think it's really great that you had that self-awareness of, I mean, your own role and your wife's role and also understanding, you know, what your kids were going through. So I'm curious, you know, around 2015 or even a couple of years before that, when you were ready to transition, was it a family decision, a government decision or your decision to make that transition? Yeah, it was uh, definitely a government decision (laughs) because if you ask me, I'll still be in, right? (laughs) Even now, you know, it was just so much fun. You know, Mm -hmm. I I had uh, created for myself such a great, and let me, let me caveat that with, (laughs) let me caveat that with, I was fortunate to receive, and I believe this wholeheartedly from the Lord, a beautiful career based off of the focus areas that I had initially started, you know, in my first three years. So he opened up a path and I just went with it. But it was great. It was great. I mean, I had the most fun. I got the most I could get out of. You're talking about getting all the juice out of the fruit. I did. I squeezed. (laughs) I made juice out of the peel. And so, yeah, and it was great. So if I had my way, I'd still be in. Mm -hmm. But as you progress north, you know, of the ladder of the chain, 
it becomes more competitive and less people get there, right? So I was fortunate to get to senior chief. And it's funny because it really all goes back to my first three years. In my first three years, because of an administrative error on my record, I was skipped over a year from promotion. Wow. So for a three-day administrative error, and I still remember this, right? So it's, it was impactful. Yeah. I got to sit for a whole year while everybody moved on. Wow. Mm. And so that detracted the one year on this side at the end for me to be able to get looked at. So I was up for master chief. There's only but so many people, so many quotas, and, and every year it changes. Depending on the year group, you know, this is a little career counselor thing here, uh, depending on the year group and the size of your class of your initial entry is how much space is left up on the top. So for those young sailors, airmen, Marines, and soldiers that are thinking about coming into service, you need to see a career counselor now before mm. you go, because that year group, it really depends on your year group, how much space is at the end. If there was a huge influx of people when you came in, there's going to be less space at the end. But if it was like not that many people came in that year, it's wide open. And so you got to know that, but you don't know that till you're in, right? So I'm just kind of give them a hint right now so they <laughs> can go you. ahead and find themselves a career counselor. But so anyway, I got to that point and there were only two slots. And one was one slot was taken by a worthy individual that had really, that he deserved it, right? The second slot, to be honest, everybody thought it was going to be me. But it was a mentee, a, a protege. Wow. So either way, either way, part of me got there, right? So, and I'll tell you that this is part of me thinking today, that day I was just floored. Right? <laughs> but, but at least someone that I had invested in had gotten there. And so that makes me happy today. That day, don't ask me. T today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I caught that. Makes me happy today. <laughs> but yeah, so all of that to say is that, you know, I started off with that hiccup. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like those first three years in your service was really impactful for you because you keep bringing it up in this conversation. In many ways, in many ways. And, and, and you know, for, for sailors, for any, for any service member, it doesn't matter where. And so that's why leadership is so important and mentorship and coaching and all of this. It is those three years. And they say, you know, in the Navy, at least, there's a video that we, that we show. Now, maybe we don't show it now because it's very 70s, 80s, <laughs> right? That's how old this thing is. But it's called the first 72 hours. Mm. And if you've never seen it or heard of it, try to look at it. Try to find it. It's called The First 72 Hours, and it's a Navy film that we show. It shows the difference between that first 72 hours with a good experience and the first 72 hours with a bad experience. Wow. And believe me, it goes just like that. And so the reason we show it and we invest in making sure that people are aware of how critical that first-term sailor and their experience is, is because of those things. Now, you know, you can have a sailor that gets exposed to bad stuff and doesn't choose that way. Yeah, you, you know, thank, thank God for will, <laughs> right? So, mm -hmm. uh, because you can say, nah, that's all right. Nah, that's mm -hmm. not me. 
uh, but there's a lot that fall prey to those things. So yeah, if I reference those three years because they were they were foundational uh, yeah. in, in all of the <laughs> all of the work, and you know, and they pretty basically as being a foundation, the structure is made right. Twenty six years served is standing, mm. but on that foundation, right? So mm-hmm. you don't get rid of it. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Jenny Lynn, I saw you nodding a lot. I wanted to check in with you, see if you had any thoughts. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, he he basically told the Navy story. It's phenomenal to me, the difference at that 72 hours, that first duty station, you know, we can make, can make in a person's life. My husband went to a school with a couple of friends, all whom were in our wedding and all whom are out now, minus him and one other. And, you know, the one that we thought was going to be the crusty old guy sailor, like, got out after his second tour because, wow. you know, he didn't have that mentorship and leadership that he really needed to further his career. You know, on a personal level, like, it makes me, I hope Big Navy hears this, like, I'm like, here's how you retain your people, like, <laughs> <laughs> mentorship and leadership. But yeah, I just, I've heard that story a lot in our Navy journey and, it's amazing to me the people like Enrique that go, you know what? I didn't get what I needed. I'm going to make what I needed and make a career out of this. And then the people that are like, not for me, we're going to do something else. Um, always interesting. So Enrique, I want to just kind of, and, and you don't, you know, this is not you speaking on behalf of your family or anything, mm-hmm. more so your perspective. How has your family, you know, from your perspective, how were they able to go through that transition with you? And I know you have a lot of family members, so we're going to try to generalize this. But yeah. how does that look? How does your family dynamic look like today, you know, five years out? Yeah, I would say at the beginning, it was tough. It was tough, right? Because, well, number one, a world that represents 1% is dwarfed yeah. <laughs> by a world that represents 99. Mm. And so when you go from the 99 to 1, although it seems like everything is cooked, cutter it is not because yeah you have a an exchange to go to yeah and so and not everybody had that by the way and you have a hospital a clinic to go to when you're sick you know not everybody has that depending on your location you know if you're stateside you're good different bases have different facilities they give priority to you know if you're i mean a navy and the air force you know, Air Force get priority, <laughs> mm. you know, whether they show it or not. That's just the way it is. But, you know, there's some places you go to that are kinder to a, a military family. There are some places you go to that you're lost and you seem like you are on your own. Mm. You know, Lord forbid. Well, I know the exposure to going to Europe is great and you get to see all these sites and all that. But guess what? That's not America no more. Right. And so that country may do things way different. What America does is what America does. And then now you're hosted by somebody else. So all these different facets and different rules and ideas and cultural, you know, things are just, you know, it depends. It depends on where you go and, and how you do it. Now, it was tough on the kids because they were older. Right. Mm-hmm. It was normal for my little ones because they were born in it, right? Mm-hmm. My youngest son was born October 13th. So talk about <laughs> a blessing to me. You know, uh, he was the October 13th is the Navy's birthday. So, <laughs> oh, <there you> go. <laughs> so his birthday is his birthday. 
And funny thing is, he's born on a Navy birthday. He's the son of a sailor who was born in an Air Force hospital. So wow, wow, <laughs> it's just one of those, you know, one of those things. And that's how so transition. And like I said, if you're not careful as a service member, you can let your wife or your spouse, your husband, bear a weight too heavy to carry alone. So you have to be sensitive. Now, let me tell you, that's not easy for the service member to do. It's not easy for the service members. <laughs> Jenny Lynn is smiling as, as he says yeah. this. <laughs> Look, it really, right? It, it requires you to feel with your heart and be conscious of everyone's role in this decision. And so I won't tell you that all of my career and all of my life married, uh, that, I, that I supported my wife the way, mm-hmm. you know, at the end. And I'll tell you, it, it really was at the end. And uh, it so, but it took me to realize those things and the weight and the pressures that they were all individually feeling in order to make it a transition. We didn't transition within the military, right? But at least to try to at least do that on the way out. Mm. You know, they're back into the big world. Mm. So it takes the service member to step back and really analyze how these different uh, pivots in our lives are affecting our, you know, our family makeup. So you end up being more of a supportive spouse than you are a a dictating spouse or a, hey, this is what it is. Sorry, I can't fight it. It's orders. What do you want me to do? Right. (laughs) I'm sure there's thousands and thousands of spouses that have heard that. (laughs) I didn't choose the order. They chose me. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, and and there were there uh, banging on the counter like Colonel Jessup. Tell me, I want the truth. (laughs) Um, You know, so it, it really did not come to uh, play well to the end. So that's why it's so important for those that are transitioning out to come back and let the service members know what they need to do in order to make this thing work within the confines of the service time so that when it's time to get out and go your way, it's not foreign, but spare your family, right? Mm. Spare that spouse, spare those kids, uh, needless angst and worries and pressures and anxieties because we create them sometimes. Mm -hmm. I just want to give it to your wife and your family. You know, I I can only imagine that. I mean, they made it, (laughs) they made it out. They made it out alive. And yeah, there's probably a couple of traumas they need to work through, you know, in counseling, but they made it out. (laughs) And and I just, I appreciate you sharing your perspective because I think sometimes, and I even think about my own husband who, you know, he was an army officer, a vet. And like, even though he didn't have family while he was in the service, like sometimes, and we met after his service, like he still acts very forward thinking. And like, sometimes I feel like I'm not always part of the decision-making. I mean, you know, he learns the hard way, you know, when I I try to insert myself after the fact and get upset, but that's why counseling is good for everyone. But yeah, it's interesting to kind of, you know, my assumption is I think that the service member is always forward thinking and they're the ones making the decisions or they just kind of scapegoat the military saying, Hey, they gave me the orders. Mm -hmm. Like you said, Right. so it's really interesting. I appreciate you sharing that. Jenny Lynn, you were nodding a lot. So I I figured you might want to add something. (laughs) I mean, he's just, he's just telling the Navy story. Like, no, I, I have to say, I'm very fortunate that I am, I am a part of the conversation within our family on where we go. However, comma, 
you know, when you've had this perfect plan that you and your service member have set up and then that falls through, you know, there's a whole other level of transitioning to do. But I think, you know, having had a 26-year career and learning little by little, like, oh, we're all in this, I think is a wonderful realization and something that younger sailors and families could definitely take out of this conversation. Because it does. I mean, it's, we're all on the same team. Like at the end of the day, we're all, we're all the Navy team and you can't do what you do if we're not doing what we do. And similarly, like I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if my husband weren't in the military, you know, so all that working together is really helpful. There's a lot that's missing from the military. I'll tell you that, right? So we do what we can with what we have while we're serving. But there's a lot that's missing. And, you know, when you talk about Jenny Lynn, mental health and, and things like that, there's things that are not touched on. There are, there are things that are skipped over because we have a three-year time cycle, right? So mm. everything is on the go, on the go, let's go. Okay, you're, you're in the field. Well, you go to the field four times in your current order, that's half of your time at the spot. Right. So you're in the field half of the time. The other half, your, your, your other half is struggling <laughs> with what's going on. Right. So we don't address things that well. And I understand. Right. They, you can't know that being in. But I wish the military would have a traveling you know, task force made up of recently retired you know, personnel that can come back mm. and talk about these things to the service members because the people inside wouldn't know. And so at least they will bring some light to that, to, especially to younger sailors, army, you know, soldiers, airmen, that they would bring that light to them so they can cut that in half because look how long it took me. Mm. I was on the way out. You know, and I thought that I and I thought that I supported my family pretty good, but it wasn't all of the support that I could have given them all those years to get them where they needed to be. And, you know, so I wish the, the you know, the service would institute something like that where we could join in and go travel. Maybe not right now, but uh, even <laughs> virtual. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I made it this long. I ain't trying to go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially out of Florida. Thanks. Stay there. I'll stay yeah, in California. Yeah. Like we'll keep we'll keep all our germs where they're at. Um, no, I mean you're speaking well, my language. That is that is one of my that will probably be the hill I die on as a military spouse <laughs> is all of that like how do we reintegrate well? How do we do that well? Because and I think what's fascinating about being within this pandemic as part of the military is a lot of civilians are getting a look at what it looks like to be a military family like all of a sudden right. being stuck inside with your person for hours on end when they have been gone forever is an incredible thing to try to navigate and I mean you know in 24 hours every state shut down all of a sudden all your people are home mm -hmm. welcome to what it's like after deployment like, I got a system. I got things yeah. I was doing. My things worked. And all of a sudden, there's this, my God, my husband's here in the house all the time <laughs> for two weeks of palm leaf. <laughs> and we're both like, he's got things that he did at work. And I've got things that I did that work. And it, it is very, it's a very interesting dynamic to navigate. And I have to say that is 
one of the things coming out of this pandemic that I'm like, there is a little slice that everybody's getting to experience about what it's like to be the half percent of active duty. And I represent a 0.25% of the entire American population. Um, But yeah, you know, to have people that have been there and done that and learned how to transition well, I think would be a phenomenal asset to the military community because we continue to really get smaller. So there aren't that many people Mm. talking about it. So I agree with you. Go ahead. Lobby lobby for that. Take Yes, yes, and yes. Take us to success. You know, I feel like we've only talked about the tip of the iceberg for so many topics and I feel like we can talk forever. But I think that this conversation will inspire and invite people to continue the conversation with you, Enrique. And also you too, Jenalyn, for you know, for co-hosting with me. So you know, all good things have to come to an end. I really appreciated our conversation today. I, I've appreciated the first one we had, you know, through LinkedIn Live, and I really appreciated this one today. But Enrique, for people that want to learn more about you, maybe seek out mentorship from you, how can they do that? How can they find you online? Yeah, Triad Leadership Solutions is our name. And so you could, you could Google that or you can go triadleadershipsolution.com. But LinkedIn is where I live, right? Yeah. So yes. uh, other people live other places, but that's where I live. And so hop on LinkedIn, Enrique Acosta Gonzalez. You'll find my profile and my company pages on there as well. And, you know, Calendly is, is if you want a, you can do it through a website or you can do it through Calendly, Triad Leadership Solutions, and you'll find it and you can book it on there and, and we'll talk. Love to hear anyone that's looking for mentorship, especially like, you know, first term, you know, I always say first term sailors, but these are first term leaders Mm. that are pretty oblivious of what they're about to get into. I love to talk to you before you make your mistakes, right? Kind of minimize that as much as we can, because what people don't understand in leadership is that people's lives are at stake. Mm -hmm. When you take the mantle, when you take that key of leadership, there's somebody on the other side that will either excel or die off based on your leadership. So we try to minimize that as much as we can through the first term leaders. And if you're a leader and you're struggling, you said it well right at the beginning, right? I'll take that K right out of there of your <laughs> success and make you successful. So yeah, either, either or. Fantastic. Enrique, it was an absolute pleasure having you today. Thank you for joining us. And to Jenny Lynn. Thank you. This was, this was wonderful. I think you provide a really excellent service for people both in, out, and transitioning from the military. So thank you for your continued service and good luck to you in, in mentoring those coming up. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been very fun. Yeah, we yeah. could talk all day, right? <laughs> yes. And Jenny Lynn, thank you for co-hosting with me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I love being here. Cool. I'm, I'm so yeah. glad. This is fun. It's so nice <laughs> to just have someone else banter with me. I, I love it. So with that said to our listeners, we hope that today's episode gave you one more piece of knowledge, resource, or relevant story so you can continue to make confident and informed decisions for you and your family. Thank you so much for listening and we'll speak with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye.